0: and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and if you've seen the title of this episode on your screen and are as excited as I am, well I can tell you this chat does not disappoint. Oh my god I'm so excited about this episode. Today we're off to meet Alicia Keys.
1: I'm not responsible for your perspective of me. I'm not responsible for it. I don't have to own it. I don't have to Feel like you just hurt me by it. I don't have to prove that you're wrong about it. I don't, I'm not, resp- I don't have to do anything with it. It's not my responsibility.
0: Oh, what an honor. We talk about everything and it's just pure joy. I was buzzing after that episode. I didn't sleep well the night after because I couldn't stop thinking about it.
2: Okay, let's go meet
0: Alicia. Now, we recorded this chat when the news about George Floyd's death was just coming through before the incredible scenes we've seen in America and across the world. So with that in mind, here's the show. I'm good, I'm fan. Nice to meet you over the internet.
1: Word. <laughs>
0: how, how are you doing through all this strangeness? How are, you, how are you feeling? Honestly, it's just all strange. I think America
1: is particularly going through a really tough time right now. Everything just feels like it's all coming to a head. Everything feels like it's just all being jammed down our throats and we're forced to observe and acknowledge the harshness of everything you know i mean there's like there's these unbelievable brutal killings of black men and women that are that are just like relentlessly happening here you know just recently um george floyd now is another man who has been just murdered it just feels like everything is coming right to the surface for us to all look at and and try to figure out what is going on and and who are we going to be
0: Mm, I I think that most people can sense the sort of extremes that are on show. Like everything feels very heightened and extreme and the situations are extreme. And we're all trying to, in our everyday lives, process that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes I'm just going through the motions of the day. And, you know, I'll do the homeschool with my kids or I'll be doing some work, or whatever. And then it hits you and you're you try and process the magnitude of, of what's going down on every level, and it's just a very up and down situation. Yeah. Um, please yeah, tell me that your your kids are also wild at the moment because mine <laughs> are animals, actual animals, going,
1: going bananas. You know, I have to I have to give them some credit. They're doing considering that it's totally different. And they don't get to have that social outlet and they don't really get to have that ability to just go ballistic and crazy with their friends when they do that, which is a large part of what makes school great, mm. you know. They're, you know, they're doing all right. They're definitely, I have had to have moments with myself that I'm like, lighten up, Felicia. <laughs> oh, like, I know. Calm down, <laughs> you know. Like, don't, do you find yourself like, you're trying to keep all this structure yes. and all of this like stuff happening and and then, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, why did you just spend all that time when you could have just actually g- gotten so silly with them and it would have been either the same amount of time or it would have been over faster and yeah. you could have just been happier? Yes, this was so. me today.
0: This was, I was like the most boring <laughs> version of myself. I was like, "Why? I need to pick my battles. Why am I doing this over like one more spoonful of sweet potato? Just leave it. I don't care. <laughs> it's, honestly, I've become <laughs> such a boring human. I can't bear it. One um, like <laughs> lovely bit of my lockdown, right at the beginning, I think it was like week one of lockdown, your book fell into my lap and I was like, I'm so mm. ready for this. And I don't know, we're a similar age and I don't know if it's, I don't know, it could be my age or life experience or, you know, just where I'm at <laughs> through lockdown it just felt so relevant to what my thoughts Mm. naturally were. I've been doing a bit of writing about Mm. that subject anyway, but just being Mm. your like true authentic self without filtering, without shunning parts of you that you naturally really enjoy and like. And it's just given me a good boost of confidence, I think, really, to keep going down that path because... You know, I think like a lot of people out there, and especially women, we know that that's right for us, but we still don't do it. Right. It's weird.
1: It's so much learned behavior. It's so much like, it's just so much of what probably our mothers did and then their mothers did it times a million. I mean, it's definitely generational. It's this crazy thing that I agree with you. And that's one of the, that's the feedback that I have gotten a lot from people that they really feel almost seen or they feel like it's expressing what they're experiencing and then i do think that it is something about this quarantine time where we are like really looking at ourselves or really looking at we again back to that thing about we're just being forced to everything is right at the surface and we're being forced to see like well who are we when we're not running at 50 million miles per hour and Who are we when everyone else doesn't take care of everything else? And who are we when it's actually time for us to just show up and see ourselves? And wow. So I think all of that together has definitely been bringing out these feelings. So it's this self-reflection that we're all looking at and thinking about. And so
0: I really appreciate you saying that. And I love that that's been the energy. It has. And like you say, we're all doing that self-inventory where... We have to, and like, whether you live alone or you are with a family, you know, everything is heightened. So, you know, you are perhaps annoying your partner, they're annoying you or with the kids. And then you have to look at, well, what is that within me? Like, what is going on there? And I think one of the things that I've really realized again through this strangeness is that to feel... Um, like you have clarity about who you are and what that authenticity means. You really have to negate outside noise because it is loud and there's so much outside noise and you have to block it out almost. And I feel like from reading your book, when you were a kid you naturally knew how to do that because you would sit at a piano and you would go, this is my space and this is my time and I can block out the outside world. Did it feel like that to you when you were doing that?
1: Well, in the beginning, it definitely didn't feel like that because it was, a, you know, to actually have to practice for X amount of time is a lot of times a struggle. Mm. Um, and especially for a young kid, it's just, you know, it's just not the first thing you like, oh, yeah, let me sit down for half an hour, 45 minutes and just, you know, just practice piano. You know, you do have to kind of get into that flow. So at the very beginning, if anything, it was a little bit of a struggle just to to find that balance of when is time to put in some work and when is it time to, you know, when you can play. But once that I caught the spirit of what I could bring from that, uh, it did give me a solace. It did give me a, a, a recognition. I remember I was 13. I actually write about it in the book and I was about 12 or 13, no, 11. I was 11 and my grandfather just passed away and I and we actually my mother and I went to see this late night film for some reason we probably just trying to get out the house and it was Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and it was like really you know he was dying of AIDS and it was like this really really crazy emotional story and I was crying and crying and crying because of the death of my grandfather and it was just all these things and when I got home that night it was maybe 12 o'clock and I sat down at the piano for the first time with my own desire to release my own thing. And that was the moment that I started to recognize, oh, this can feel good. This could be cathartic. And, and so in, in what you're describing, it was about that time that I started to see that it could, you know, be that for me.
0: And do you still consciously use the piano to do that? You know, do you take yourself, extract yourself from family life or the stresses of whatever's going on to just be present and play music?
1: You know, it goes in flows. Um, it goes in seasons kind of for me, I find. Uh, like when I am, obviously when I'm preparing for something, I definitely am more conscious of really making sure that I am creating the space that I need because I know I'm preparing for X thing. So that, that is actually beautiful because it allows me to really give that space space then there's moments where I just need it or want it or desire it. And so I do it. And then there's moments when I don't at all, kind of like right now. I've actually been, you know, people have asked me, are you very creative right now? Are you just like overflowing with that? I'm like, not really.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I don't know if that's because I feel busier than ever with juggling the family, the kids. It's I've, Maybe I, I've, I've struggled a lot with feeling like the space or, being able to figure out that balance and I don't know exactly how to do it. In fact, you know, that their last day of school is in a couple of days and I'm wondering, is that going to get worse for me or better? I'm kind of terrified. Oh,
0: I don't I'm happy to say for to but I think worse. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sorry to say that, but I really think it's going to get worse. I'm dreading it. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. So,
1: I, and then I've been like, so, you know, am I supposed to really – get a little more structured for myself should I really should I say okay from three to four is like my time and I use it and I take it and I do it do I need to do that is it okay that I'm not doing that I'm definitely teeter-tottering with it but I'm, I'm mostly on the verge of feeling okay with whatever is flowing and just letting it be loose and you know and then there's more, then there's nights where I, you know I'll sit here and the other night I I, I just wanted to play Stevie Wonder's song, Love's in Need of a Love Today. I think I have that same um, water bottle. Yes, do you? I do. I love it so much. I call it my coconut.
0: It's the biggest water bottle ever, but <laughs> because I talk so much at work, I, I will get through that probably by, before the end of this interview.
1: No, it's so good. Good for you.
0: I know that you're a big meditator, and there was a certain point of your life where you really discovered how that could enhance your life and um and I guess also create a more robust authenticity because you are just locking into you. Um, is that still very much a part of your your daily routine and, and how you how you check in with yourself?
1: Yeah, well I mean, you know, one of the things that I truly didn't know how to access my own Intuition, you know, I I definitely had a strong intuition because there's. I look back now, and there's choices that I made that I knew that they were right, and for whatever reason, at that moment, I actually followed it and didn't convince myself not to, and that worked out really well. and And so, um, I know I've always had a quite. We all, by the way, have such a strong intuition, but a lot of times you don't know how to strengthen it, or you don't know how to bring it out, or you don't know you know, how to really pay attention to it. So I, I was one of those people and I actually was so inundated with everybody else's opinion and thought, especially because I started so young, you know, 14 years old creating music in this like crazy, scary industry that wants to tell everybody what to do and especially women. And, and so, you know, I, I, I got very habitual about always asking other people what they thought I should do, assuming that they knew more than I did, because I was just 14. So um, that started to became a hat started to become a habit in my life, and for quite a long time, I actually couldn't access my own, you know, opinion in a lot of ways because I wasn't exercising it. And so it wasn't until my friend actually she she asked if I wanted to join this retreat. I had just had, I think, Genesis, my second baby, and I was like oh, I can't leave him for five days, we're talking about a retreat, I can't do that, he's like a baby, and I was giving all these excuses, and I was like, my husband's birthday is like the day before, I I can't, I can't do this, this is not going to work, and she said to me, you know, well, when was the last time you did something for yourself, and I remember when she asked me that, I couldn't answer. I mean, yes, had I, like, gone to the store and got myself a pair of shoes or got myself a manicure and a pedicure, okay. But, like, when is the last time you actually committed to do something that was going to, you know, be really for you without worrying about everything else and everybody else? And I couldn't answer. So that actually, of course, provoked me to go, thanks to her. And um, that's when I was introduced to this yoga and this meditation style called Kundalini. And um, and it was from that moment that I started to really cultivate my intuition. And yes, today this morning I did it. Yesterday in the morning I do it. And 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 truly in this time specifically when I do when everything does kind of feel a little like off kilter, um, I find if I if I'm not meditating I do feel I do feel I get funky, yeah, very funky. I
0: think once you find that thing that you know works, you know it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, running or cooking or meditating or whatever, right. but you have that thing that you know brings you back to yeah. yourself and into your own body and away from all that noise I think you do just have to keep doing it if you if you know how great it makes you feel and you know you yeah. had a really extreme childhood and and your teens in that sense of of outside noise I, I massively relate I started in the industry mm-hmm. at a young age and you do have all of these people saying stuff and especially when you're a musician, you know, and a female, it's what you're wearing, what you're going to be saying, mm-hmm. what the style of your music is, which you'd already established by this point. So I wonder how that affected you having so many people kind of infiltrate your mind on that level and tell you what they wanted you to be. You know,
1: it was it's kind of been an interesting journey. And this is the part that shocks me a little bit. I know for a fact that the very beginning, songs in A minor, you know, 18, 19-year-old Alicia, I didn't want to hear it. I was like, don't talk to me about putting on a dress. Screw you. Don't talk to me about a flowery pattern. Mm. I'm not hearing it. Don't talk to me about some high heels. I'm putting on my Timberlands. I was so clear. Mm. I was so clear. And nobody could, like, get in my way. And I knew what I wanted. And I knew what I wanted to do and, and I had the support to do it. And it was very clear to me. Then enter success, enter this whole different perspective and parameter and, you know, people having access to their opinion of you and, you know, you suddenly realizing that, wow, all these people like, like what I do. Oh, okay. Are they going to like when I do this? Are they going to like yeah. when I do that? And you suddenly suddenly, you know, you start to get into a mind frame or I started to get into a mind frame where I, as opposed to just doing what felt 100% right, I started to think about it more as a business or more in the capacity of will people respond as a, when I never thought of that before, because I didn't have anybody to think about responding to it for. And so that is when I think there was a shift. And that's when I started to, set to, to get more outside of myself and, and then I realized that it took me quite a while to find my way back to that same Alicia that was like, now I know what I want, I know what I'm doing, and that's it. And still to this day, yesterday, and the day before, I have to be like, stop it. What do you think? Yes. You.
0: Yeah.
1: It is crazy.
0: I love how you articulated it in the book because you said like you gradually one centimeter at a time moved mm-hmm. away from the real you. So you actually don't notice you're doing it because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, no, I'm still me. And then you're a teeny teeny increment along the line and along the line. And I don't know how you found that, but uh, you know, I didn't have it in in an extreme like you did. But I f- I still find it draining if I ever have mm-hmm. to do a job and I know it's not hitting me here. I'm like, this is draining. Like every word I speak, I'm like, this is, I'm exhausted. Whereas when I do things that I love, like a podcast or whatever, I'm buzzed after. I'm excited. I'm adrenalized. I'm like ready to go. But it's so draining not being you.
1: Yeah, no. And I think that that's that's what I finally got to. And that was actually a big, because the question is aren't I myself? Aren't you yourself? Like, how are you not yourself? How am I not mm-hmm. myself? The question is, how do you know that you're yourself? Or how do you know that you're not yourself? Or how do you realize that you've actually taken all these fears that your mother had and and, and you now own them even though they're your mother's fears? Or or all these things that your grandmother said that actually was just what her grandmother told her and, and she didn't even really realize that that wasn't the truth. But now it's your truth. Like, at what point do you actually know who you are? Yeah. So I think that's kind of the strangest part of it all is like, who are you really? But the part that, and that's what the book is asking. And that's been, I think our, our, all of our life journey I feel like my earring is banging this. Is it banging this? Because I could take my earring off.
0: No, no. Keep the earrings are looking fantastic. I I can't hear any distortion. (laughs) The earrings are good.
1: (laughs) Great. All right. Perfect. So I think that that to your point about the feeling drained and actually realizing that you feel good when you're doing something that you really want to do and when you're actually listening to yourself and when I started to realize the difference, because I, I agree, I could feel the difference. I would be so overwhelmed or overworked. I would just be saying yes to everything and then I'd be exhausted and, you know, and there's no joy and it steals your joy. So, so that was a big lesson for me that actually Miss Oprah shared with me. And, and that's one of my favorite parts of the book is that she said to me um, that she had also experienced that. And she was also always looking outside of herself for, for the answer, and she finally realized that she's the only one that really knows herself, and we're the only ones that truly know what's good for us is only us. And so she started to say, you know what a resounding yes feels like. And, and, and I, I, that, today that sounds so obvious and so like, yeah, duh, but in that moment, no one had ever explained it so simply to mm. me. Like, that's so simple to understand, which means, like, if you, if someone presents you a question, you know right away when it's like, hell yeah, I'm dropping everything and I'm doing that. And you know right away when you're like, I don't know if,
0: and if you're like, I don't know if, I then that means that you don't Mm. have a result. But this is a complicated one, actually. So I wrote down a line that you'd written, which was so beautiful, which was, when you choose the right path for yourself, you usually know it immediately. The choice just sits right in your spirit. Oh, and that is the mm. resounding yes. But here's okay. where I think it gets complicated. Tell there me. are two bits. The first bit is, okay, we all know that we can have that resounding yes, but we do have the propensity to talk ourselves out of it. So we'll have all these, you know, this rumination and the toing and froing. But also... Does that then mean that a maybe is always a no? A maybe is a no. Always? Yes. Do you think? Now, it's, not, it's, it's a no
1: until it's a resounding yes. Oh, right. So, oh, right. You know, so it, it doesn't mean that you're not maybe thinking about it. It doesn't mean that you might not need to, you know, get more information right. about it. It doesn't mean that maybe you, you want to ask a few opinions. Hmm, have you experienced this? Have you experienced that? But as long as it's a maybe... It's technically a no until it's a resounding yes. I've got clarity
0: yes. now, Alicia, because I think <laughs> what I thought a resounding yes always was, was an instant yes. But you're saying you're challenging mm. that and you're saying, mm. no, it can be a maybe that just morphs into a resounding yes through be, having an educated outlook on it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, and
1: again, I think at the time you do know right away, boom, it hits you. And you're like, yes, I would do that if they didn't pay me a cent. I would do that if I had to lose all my sleep. I would do that if I couldn't see my kids for three days. I would do that. I would do that. I would do that. That's a resounding yes. If it's like, mm, I don't, then you cannot say yes. And you, and to your point, you might need to research a little more or just say no but it might come back around and be a yes. At some point,
0: the power of no is a good one. Cause I think we've all been so bombarded with the notion of like the power of yes and all the opportunities, whatever, but the power of no is so brilliant. And, and you had this seminal trip to Egypt, your first trip to Egypt. And I know obviously it means it's, so, it's such a dear place to you and it sort of sits in your heart, but you went to Egypt and you came back and you were like boundaries. My new thing with everyone I am working with is I'm going to have boundaries. And I think boundaries aren't talked about enough and are so underrated uh underrated yes underrated we need we need more boundaries, and I've really struggled with it because as much as I know myself and as and um, I, I am getting more clarity about what I want out of life and how I want to do it. I am still a bit of a people pleaser, and I think having boundaries really challenges you if you're a people pleaser so so how did you go about that and how do you find uh setting boundaries today and how do you do it
1: oh my gosh great amazing question I actually had a a dialogue about this just the other day I um you know I, I kind of I posted something that just really realizing talking about that when you, when being the people pleaser type of person and, and, and realizing that, you know, someone asked me, how, how could you, what would you tell, what would you say to people who are like that? And I would, and I said, just cut it out, cut it out right now. Stop right now. There's no way to actually make everyone happy, nice. to make everything go exactly the way that everyone wants it to. It's just like, stop. And, and when you're able to, to realize what you need, what you need. And then there's this other layer that comes in. And I, I still am confused if this comes in for all people or specifically women. And I don't want to assume that it doesn't happen to men, but I think it happens a little less to men. But I have gotten some intel that is also you know, a strong thing for men, that when you choose yourself or when you're even thinking about yourself, you have this insane layer of guilt that comes Huge. with it. This- yeah this feeling like there's some wrong thing or some selfish way you're being because
0: you're actually considering what might be good for you I know why do we do that i i I take it one step further and all of a sudden become Catholic for the day and I'm not Catholic and I add <laughs> on to it that i'm going to have this awful thing happen to me if i do if I pick myself i'm like i'm yeah. not religious, why am I doing that it's so messed it's up I do th- it 's ingrained, and I think historically for women. It It is a it is a problem. Um, it is. It's oh God. I mean, but like you say, I like you've got that kind of like tough love approach to it. Just cut it out.
1: I mean, now I can say that now because I know very clearly that that nothing else is going to work like it just doesn't work. And so the minute you're trying to do that, just you might as well just stop because it's really not going to happen for you. But but Going back and thinking back and and about boundaries, I do think that boundaries is is amazing. And I didn't have any. I had none. I had no boundaries. I didn't know how to put them in place. In fact, I gave them away willingly, Mm -hmm. happily, gratefully, just to hopefully go to maybe the next step or to maybe what I thought was closer to what I was hoping for or what I thought would make whomever, you know doors open or possibilities come in regards to as a career as an artist you know I mean I just didn't know how to I didn't even understand that you could say no it took me it took me so long to actually know on tour that I could say oh this is my someone special to me birthday let's make sure that I'm not working on that Uh, day I didn't even know how to do that for like uh, I didn't even realize that I could. And so I think things like that in regards to boundaries are really, really important. Or, you know, even I talk about in the book how my husband and I, we do like a, a two week rule that we can't go more than two weeks not being together. Um, which we find at, after trial
0: and error, we figured out like that's just too long. It just creates a certain energy that we don't want to have. Although, maybe after lockdown, you might change that one and be like, you know what? Call it now a month. <laughs> you know what? I think a month is fine. We could do a month without <laughs> each other just fine. Um... <laughs> Now there's another thing I have to. I had to keep writing down notes within the margin of your book because although it's not classically an autobiography or a memoir, it is sort of this like lovely kind of romp through your life and the important moments. Mm. It's almost like, in parts, without you even wanting it to be a self help book. And I hate that phrase, but there are mm. just lots of bits in it where I had to keep mm. making notes and writing things down. And another thing you you wrote down was. Um, once you finally set sail in your life you no longer need a captain love and I I love that so much because again we place so much um, trust and faith in other people sorting our shit out for us and Mm. actually your very good friend Jada Pinkett Smith came on this podcast and we talked about Mm. emotional independence which I had I had never heard Mm. of and having Mm. the knowledge that I could sort things out on my own without Mm. asking my husband, calling a therapist, Mm. whatever. And I wonder where you're at with that. You know, are you able to internally problem solve and navigate tricky situations or do you still feel the need to go, right, actually, I need to check in with this person, this person, this person?
1: You know I, I will be honest I do I have a habit that I have formed and the habit does tend to lean me towards checking in with people it really it really does I'm, I if I'm being fully honest yeah. and it depends also on the circumstance obviously but in those really really tricky ones that would be something that maybe is confusing or doesn't seem very clear which is obviously when you're kind of like hmm I I I realize there's kind of a, um, in regards to emotional independence, I realize there's a a portion of it that I can navigate myself for sure. And then there's a portion that I am looking for collaboration. I am looking for collaboration to some degree. And I think that that's fine. I think collaboration is fine as long as you can still find your way back to your true North North Star, because I think – sometimes the, the the negative thing about getting an opinion is that when you assume that that person's opinion is better yes. than yours but if but if there's an opinion that you ponder and then you realize you know what i i hear you but i don't agree and in this particular circumstance that's given me something but i do understand what i want then it's I think helpful, but it's so tricky because it's very, if people are very strong, their energies are very strong and you often think, oh, well, look at all the success they've had. They must know, let me do that. You know? So I think oftentimes I'll go back in and I'll tune back in. A lot of the times I'll even ask for what I'm, I'll I'll ask out loud for what I am needing. I need to know clearly, boom, and I'll put it on the table just with myself. I'm not in the room with anybody else. After I've heard people's opinions, I'll go off by myself and say, I need to know what's best for me with boom. And if you just listen to that first thing that kind of like, that's Mm. it. So that's what I'll do sometimes if I need to, because I do tend to be that person that I, 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 I like the companionship of hearing other thoughts but I do find that it can get very noisy and it can to your point not strengthen my own independence
0: yeah I think that's a really good way of looking at it actually that you you again will kind of reach out hear people that you really admire and respect say something but then still going back to your book and like the whole kind of theme of this conversation like what what is that resounding feeling or yes, or what is that, you know? And it, and it does get clouded and we do feel foggy and, and like we can't reach it. But like you say, it is there, I often, I mean, I could do some pretty weird stuff, but I will often <laughs> go to bed and sort of say, right, whoever is up there looking after me or out there or whatever, you know, help me out, send me a little sign or, you know, yes. give me a little nod or whatever. And I kind of even do it in that way. Like I'm asking I don't know who, but just kind of, you kind of do want to feel like you're backed up with what's in there. And it's it's mm-hmm, a difficult one to get mm-hmm. a balance with. Um, the thing that's been mm-hmm. so incredible about watching you as just a fan of your music and, and, and what mm. you do and, and how you've gone about your business and You know, I didn't necessarily, before I read the book, realise there was any sense of you not being authentic. Because I don't think we often do when we Mm. see very sort of strong, um, Mm. talented people. We just assume that that is driven by absolutely who they are. So I love that you've, you've written about that in the book. But I think what was so brilliant was when we could all really see your confidence come to the forefront where you started making up your own rules so obviously Mm. the the no makeup notion was just this amazing Mm. moment of you going hey I'm gonna do my own thing and I'm not even gonna make a big fuss about it I'm just gonna do my own thing and some people missed the point of it being about choice and other Mm. people really were like oh wow this is absolutely about us all having a choice as to what makes us feel good and that isn't set in stone and I wonder Mm. if you believe that freedom ultimately is choice definitely
1: a million a million percent and I was always authentic to who I was at the time yeah I just you know I just didn't realize that because I had ingested all of these, I was raised by a really strong mother, a single mother. She was very clear about very feminist, strong ideas. I I always thought I was very clear about everything. And I was while I was in that spot. I was very clear. But as I took some steps back and started to think and listen and realize, I could see how even... You know, Even the woman who wrote Superwoman or the woman who wrote A Woman's Worth or the woman who wrote Girl on Fire really Mm. often wrote those things because I didn't feel that way,
0: Mm. because
1: I was needing to feel that more, because I wished I was more of a girl on fire or I wished I did understand my worth more. And at the time, I was very clear that I knew my worth. But as events transpire and the choices you make, you can see, wow, maybe I didn't actually value myself the way that I claimed, you know? And and that is just a recognition and a realization that was really empowering for me because then I could say, well, why are you, why? And what made you do that? And now, how are you going to start to do that more now? So, yes, I I think that freedom is totally the ability to have the choice. And it is also... You know, the ability to be who you are without repercussion, negative repercussion, because you're choosing who you are and you're expressing who you are and you are living in your body and you're living in your skin and you don't have to feel threatened because you just are who you are or you look how you look or you're choosing what you're choosing. And that's also freedom. And that and that is that's the relationship I think we have with each other where how you treat me is also a part of whether I feel freedom or not too.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, because how, how, how do you mitigate or deal with any negative outside noise? And how do you stop that damaging, you know, what your beliefs are? Because I still to this day will struggle with that. You know, I, I think, well, I know that, I like, you know, shallow things like looking like this, or, or or this is my voice. This is what I like to say, and this is what I want to put across. But if someone challenges it in a in a sort of non constructive way, I I will perhaps still wobble, and I and I wonder if you feel slightly more robust, or or how you might deal with that. I have a few I
1: have a few things that I've been thinking about with that. I totally understand you a million percent. One of my favorite ones that makes sense to me that i that that i realized kind of recently is that you know how you have you know you have your friends you have people who um they just can't wait to tell you what you shouldn't be doing and and they Ooh. and they, they it, and they swear it's cuz they love you you know well i can tell you because we're really close and if i wasn't a real friend to you i i wouldn't you know and and i get it and i also realized that There's a, there's back to boundary. There's a boundary of where if I ask you your opinion, then I 1000% expect and want and hope that you tell me exactly truthfully what you feel, but there might be something that I'm exploring and I might not be ready for your opinion. Mm. It's because I'm, I'm checking out how this feels on me and I want to see how I feel before Everybody tells me that it's stupid or ugly or that didn't flatter or whatever that it might be. And and I realized that I started to have to ask people, if I haven't asked you for your opinion, please, with all due respect, don't give it to me. And, and, and it was like, it helped me. It really was like, I didn't ask you for your opinion in this particular instance. And, and that... That helped me a lot, and some people listened to it, and some people didn't. But it also made me it. just made me realize that there are moments where you're not ready for somebody's opinion, and and that's okay. Like that's all right. And the last thing I was just gonna say because you're just hitting on like my all my life struggles and, and, and processes.
2: <laughs>
1: it's like <damn>. them. <laughs> The last thing I was going to say was that just the other day, I literally posted something that said that what I realized, because I've, I've been working through this thought in my head and I've been trying to figure out how to put it in words. And what I finally realized, what I was working through, is that I'm not responsible for your perspective of me.
0: I hate you.
1: I'm not responsible for it. I don't have to own it. I don't have to feel like you just hurt me by it i don't have to prove that you're wrong about it i don't i'm not resp- i don't have to do anything with it it's not my responsibility to deal with your respect your perspective of me mm. and that's been a long time coming for me mm. and and that but that alone really gives me a lot of clarity um, and helps me a lot. So those are the two
0: pieces I would say for that, which you just said that I've been... Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's much trickier when you're ridiculously famous around the planet because, you know, we all know that sort of phrase. Um, I'm going to try and get it right. Uh, the other people's business is none of our business. Mm. But when everyone in the world knows you, that is harder. So it's brilliant that you've reached that place where you can... You can understand it and you might feel some feelings but then you can you can get back to that which is so so important yeah. and what what i love um about how you talk about all these subjects and again i don't know if you set out to do this but you know obviously you you especially in the book you know you get to a place where you you feel more empowered to be you and you and you feel more confident in just You know, showing your true colors and and being whatever you want. But that doesn't mean that you uh, won't ever be challenged again. And it doesn't ever mean you won't have to feel vulnerable again. And I think vulnerability is something that Mm. people sometimes misunderstand. I've certainly misunderstood it in the past, but Mm. there's lots of lovely examples that you give. And like a fun one, I would say, is when you had to call uh, Michelle Obama. (laughs) (laughs) to uh, ask her to walk on the stage of you at the Grammys. And I thought, you know, in my head, I'm like, you're Alicia Keys, you just ring her up and be like, hey, but you're in the car with your mum shitting yourself. You're you're nervous about doing that. And you feel vulnerable doing that.
1: Well, what happened was absolutely, Absolutely. And I felt vulnerable every time. The first time uh, my husband brought up the thought, you know, he was like, you know, this is such a with the Grammys I was hosting. And he was like, this is such a such an important time. And it was a really important time. And the only reason why I even said I would do it is because it had just come off of a lot of, um, you know, there wasn't enough women being nominated. The the, the balance, obviously, as we've been seeing and in, in specifically, we were, were having a lot of conversation about women at the table and we could see in all of our industries that, that, that it was imbalanced so tremendously. And, and so the year prior, it was literally like the worst, scale, not tipped toward women being recognized, and, and, and that year, it really, they worked very hard to rebalance and recalibrate because it was off and it was wrong. So So that was why I wanted to be there, and that's why I wanted to do it, because it felt like I could celebrate women and celebrate my sisters and our sisterhood and just us, recognizing when we have to make a shift and and so he was saying like it's all about women it's all about sisterhood you need to call some of your powerful sisters like michelle obama and i was like whoa wait a minute <laughs> i mean that's cool but i'm not sure he's like you're gonna get on the phone and you're gonna call her and you're gonna tell her I got, why wouldn't she understand what what this is So first of all, I have to like write a whole script down about like, wait, let me make (laughs) sure that I'm saying everything that I want to say and, 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 you know, like make my point and make it uh, convincing and the whole thing. And, and so, um, that was the first call. And then the second call that I was actually losing my mind over was, it was a lot to pull together and she was potentially feeling like maybe it was putting too much of a burden on me. And she was like, you know, I, I, I wanted to do this because I, I, it was, I wanted to show up for you as a sister and I didn't want it to be like a headache for you. And then you have to like contort and fix and changes to make it all. So, you know, it, maybe it's better that I, that I don't, that you have your own moment. And so then I had to call her and basically oh, like
0: so painful bear it for you. <laughs> <laughs> calling twice and sort of having to convince her. I mean, Oh, because she wants to be there, but she doesn't want to put the burden on you. Right. I mean, I don't know how you did it. Right. So, it, but it was
1: again. You know what was what? What I really took away from that, and actually the lesson in that that she gave me, and and she didn't. She doesn't even know this. I I, I haven't even talked to her about this in this way. Um, but what I know that she gave me was that I had to know that was a test because I had to know that I deserved that I was deserving enough to ask for what I wanted.
0: Mm. And,
1: you know, a lot of the times we won't even ask because we already assume in our heads, oh, it makes me look like this or it comes off like this or they'll think that or I'm burdening that or whatever. We do. And so I had to sit with my own self. And I literally, before that phone call, I said about a hundred times, I deserve this. I deserve this. I deserve this. And, and then I made the call and I was just truthful and honest. And I said, you know, let's, let's do it because the the sisterhood means so much more than everything else It's bigger than just me, you know, or just you, it's, it's all of us. So it was really, that's the gift she gave me. And that's something that I think we all have to remember that, you know, you deserve to ask for what
0: you do. I'm awful at it. I hate like I find it excruciating to ask for anything. And I do. I have to work on that one. Like I'm going to take that away with me today because I need to work on that one. And I guess like thinking about that, especially the second phone call you had to make there, (laughs) Right. That was the one. The tough one. Do you (laughs) think that essentially the fear of rejection a lot of the time stops us from being who we want to be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because,
1: oh my gosh, it's so hard. It's so hard to put your whole self out there and to put all of, you know, most of the time we're working really hard to kind of keep up a a wall, a front, an armor, because we're just trying to protect our poor little hearts that's been through a lot and it's trying to make sure it doesn't hurt again and all these types of things. And, and so yes, that, that fear of rejection or that fear that you're not good enough or that fear that it won't work or that fear that it's not going to happen or that fear that, you know, someone else, you know, can get it, but you can't or whatever the thing is. Yes. It stops so much of us for being who we are for going higher than we've gone yet for dreaming bigger, you know, for believing that like there's more than what whatever exists right now. Because there is, for all of us, there's more. And there's nothing to be ashamed of with reaching for more and going for more. And, and that doesn't mean you have to be a workaholic and unhealthy and horrible to yourself. It actually, when you look at it in these ways that you can see your worth, you can see that you're deserving, you can, you can appreciate, that there's more to have you can you can as we talked about you know feel unselfish by choosing you and choosing what's great for you all these things can actually be healthy ways to go higher and and that's the that's the
0: goal you know that is the goal so with all of this in mind and knowing kind of where you're at and 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 that process that you've been through how how is that affecting how you write music you know are you kind of back to how you felt in your teens when you were writing in this liberated sort of sense without any outside commotion. Like how, how, how is that mm. changing for you? Well, you know, my new music, which is, I'm calling Alicia,
1: because for the first time I really actually feel like I am myself, you know, um, more than I've ever been able to be before. And, and so I think the way I love this project, I love this music, I I really do feel that a lot of what I've also been exploring and through this and through the music is, is identity. And, and, you know, what actually is who, who actually is who we are and what makes us who we are. and, And what I'm realizing is there's so much complexity in there that to your point, it is extremely exciting to get to know. It's really cool. To get to know like the really shitty Alicia, you know, I'm really liking that. I, I'm I'm loving getting to know the little the more braggadocious Alicia. I'm excited to get to know the really super comfortable being exposed and vulnerable and raw Alicia. I love to get to know the one that's like pissed off and angry and is not gonna hold back Alicia. I I also of course I love the one that's been exposed to. The, the wisdom and, and just the confidence and, you know, a little bit more clarity, Alicia. So the, all these sides are, you know, able to be accessed now. Whereas before I just wasn't comfortable, you know, doing that. And so I it's really opened up a whole other range of conversation and writing and, and truth and just honesty and rawness. And, and so the music is fire. It's so good because of it. And it's also the sound is like interesting and diverse and, and, and so it's great and and you're going to love it. So it's good.
0: I am. I mean, how exciting, how exciting for you to work in that way and and feel like that. I just think it's brilliant. And I cannot thank you enough, Alicia, because I just loved every second of talking to you. This is so good. I love this. You're good at it. (laughs) Oh, well, it's been a joy, and I hope we get to do it again because I just know that people are going to get so much from what you're saying, as I have, and um, it's just wonderful. So thank you, and stay safe, and and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you again to the musical powerhouse and all-round goddess Alicia Keys can't believe that happened wow alicia's book is called more myself i read it in about three days it's just it's an essential read that's what i'm saying an essential read it's out right now and her new album which i'm buzzing about called alicia is released later this year if you're looking for some new listening this week can i recommend the following podcasts that you may find inspiring in the wake of the tragic death of george floyd which we mentioned at the start of our chat about race by rennie edo lodge great for learning more about how we ended up here the multi-award winning have you heard george's podcast by george the poet and this city by my lovely mate clara amfo a gorgeous show full of love for people and places go check them all out thanks again to alicia to the producer matt hill at rethink audio and to you lovely lot for listening. I'll see you next week.